Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to this very special edition of the Empire Podcast. Daniel Radcliffe and Empire seem inextricably linked on some weird subconscious level. We were both born the same year, 1989. That is to say, Daniel Radcliffe and Empire, not Daniel Radcliffe and me. I am <clears throat> a little bit older. Uh, we both enjoyed long walks in the countryside. And when you prick Daniel Radcliffe... We bleed, weirdly enough. Uh, he's been a huge part of Empire since 2001 when he first played You Know Who in You Know Who and the What's It of Thingamy. Uh, oh, wait, sorry. Ray Fiennes played You Know Who. Daniel Radcliffe played Whatchamacallum. Uh, but since graduating from Hogwarts in 2011, Radcliffe has expanded his horizons as an actor. And nowhere is that greater illustrated than in the current cinematic double bill of Imperium, where he plays an FBI agent infiltrating a gang of white supremacists, and one of my favourite films of the year, Swiss Army Man, where he plays, let's be honest, a farting corpse. But of course, it's so much more than just a farting corpse, and it is, for my money, Radcliffe's best performance. Go see. So, with that double bill in mind, we thought we'd nab a good old chunk of Dan's time and have a big old chat with him. Uh, and this was recorded, incidentally, just ahead of his opening night appearance at American Airlines Presents Empire Live. Enjoy. I have the worst film knowledge of anyone. That's like my uh, being on set with the Daniels and Paul Dano. Yeah. Because the Daniels know their film. Paul Dano puts them to shame like Paul Dano's knowledge of movies is incredible so mine I'm just like hey did anyone see San Andreas like <laughs> <laughs> did we all like that as much as I did and like, then it's just silence it's, yeah it's, it's it's a very different no I mean they're, they're not movie snobs at all like they love those movies but it's okay, just that okay. I uh, yeah they also they're, they're a lot more wide ranging and they would all talk about like Oh. European cinema and stuff and I'd be left for dust oh that's interesting because obviously there's a, there's a big Jurassic Park thread that runs yes. through Swiss Army Men well I, I have seen that movie and I do I, was just I love that movie yeah yeah no yeah. I wouldn't be able to be going out with my girlfriend if I didn't know Jurassic Park it's oh her, really it's her ringtone she knows really if I'm, okay. if I'm going if I'm scrolling past like through TV channels and mm-hmm. I see Jurassic Park's on and I don't want to watch it I have to make sure she doesn't see that it's on because otherwise <laughs> like it doesn't matter where we're joining the film we're like we're watching it till the end if she's in another room and she hears it, does yeah, she go... Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah, it's that It's that level of like, oh, brilliant, it's on, can we watch it? Yeah, yeah okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I love it, but no, it is... Oh, good, it's it is, the bit with the dinosaurs. And actually, it is an amazing film, and when you, especially when you look at, like, you know, there are films that were made, like, ten years later. Like, like frankly, like, you know, the visual effects in the first Potter movie mm. might still not be as good as the visual effects in Jurassic Park. I just think the yeah, effects yeah. in that movie are unbelievable for the time it was made. They're right? astonishing. When the raptor jumps onto the table. Oh, oh that whole kitchen scene is yeah. just terrifying and yeah. so tense and brilliantly done. Yeah. It is awesome. Should we talk about films you're in? Sure. I mean, if you want. Do you want to? It's, it's linked, though, tangentially. It is. It's, <laughs> it does. Jurassic Park does become a big theme in Swiss Army Man. It does. And you sing the theme from Jurassic Park. I have the yes. Swiss Army Man soundtrack. I love it. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Great, it? um, I imagine you're getting massive amounts of royalties from, from that because you feature in about six or seven tracks. Um, I do, yeah, I don't know about royalties. Massive but, trucks um, with cash or... Yeah, just burning out. People are like, the Swiss Army... People are going crazy all over the world for the Swiss Army Man soundtrack. <laughs> um, you know, it is uh, my favourite soundtrack that I've ever been involved in and not just because I get to sing on it and sort yeah. of live out every actor's dream of being in a band. But um, it, it was also just like, it's so beautiful and it's so um, funny and like the song montage itself, like the yeah. lyrics to it are just hilarious. And yeah. it's it, it's so, I do think it's the the great the greatest merging of soundtrack and film that I've ever 
been a witness to. Um, and it's you know, glorious. they they composed a lot of the soundtrack before the film, and they also composed it during and after. So they'd say to me, um, they could they would say to me sometimes on set, like, "I'll oh, just make up a song at the end of the scene, just like pick a note mm-hmm. and and just do that um, do that note as long as you can." And and so like, you will make up like Manny's in a really good mood, like make up like a Manny victory song. And so I'd make up some incredibly basic sort of victory song. And then, you know, eight months later, I was in the cinema watching the film and they've turned that into some massive part of the score, like that crappy sort of tune oh I was God. making up. So it's amazing. That's it. That is awesome. That's awesome. So you get songwriting credits as well. And um, it's yeah, all... I don't think so. Although you I was do. very, you very do. flattered by, they yeah. said I was, uh, Andy uh, and Robert said I was, I was very good in the, uh, in the recording session. So I was very pleased. I got a sort of professional band's seal of approval. Fantastic. Of course, you've been in musicals before. Yes, I have. On stage, which I imagine must be the most terrifying thing it, you can go through as an it actor. Is, I think it's also the hardest w- job. It's the hardest you will, can work as an actor is to do a musical. Um, that's why I haven't done another one. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it's, uh, it's incredible. You know, what those guys in, like, in the chorus and the ensemble of musical, musicals do every night is unbelievable. And um, so you really have to love it. And, and I think actually the musical was one of the reasons. I, I, knew, I know the Daniels wanted actors that could sing to, to play these parts so they could have them on the soundtrack. Yeah. But also I think the musical and seeing me sort of dance and throw myself around and all of that stuff was another thing that sort of attracted the Daniels to me and thought it might be a good idea for Manny just because it's so it's such a weird physical performance. Ah, interesting. I mean, these, these two movies, Swiss Army Man and Imperium, they're, they're coming out in the UK within a week of each other. You're doing a big thing tonight. Yeah. This, people will hear this after, after the, uh, the Empire Live thing, but you're doing a big thing tonight where we're doing yeah. a double bill of the yes, movies. which is thank you for that, by the way. Oh, I, no, no, thank you for it. No, um, please. No, uh, and so... Are these movies inextricably linked in your mind? I know you went to shoot... You shot Imperium after Swiss Army Man, is that right? Yeah, they were about two weeks apart. And I remember finishing up Swiss Army Man, which was one of the most fun filming experiences I've ever had. And just thinking like, oh man, Imperium's not going to be like this. It's going to be not as, as stupid and fun on set. It actually, Imperium ended up being a really, really fun job, despite the very intense sort of heavy material that we're... Uh, you know, performing and, and discussing those, those sort of issues. Um, but, it, you know, Dan, our director, was really another... I've, I've worked with three directors called Daniels on my last... on these two films. Um, so, but Dan Ragusis, the director of Imperium, mm. is a really, really nice guy. And I feel like it's actually really important when you do a film that has the potential to be so kind of all-consuming in a very um, intense and sort of bleak way. Um, it's... it's it, it Yeah, I don't know. It's, not, it's nice to have somebody there... Uh, to to just I don't know, laugh laugh at and mm. with between takes. Well, what about what about the uh, the preparation? So you so you're you're straight into Swiss Army Man. You're filming. Yeah. Uh, I imagine that's quite an intense process as well. At the same time, you yeah. know you have to prepare for Imperium. How do you, how do you balance that? Um, I I try to what I tend to do, and I think was the case on that occasion, was that I had a little bit of time off. Yeah, I did. So I had like. Uh, probably a month off before I went and started uh, Swiss Army Man. Mm-hmm. And I basically used that time to prepare for both films as much as I could and do all my Imperium preparation. And also I was helped in a way by the fact that Swiss Army Man is a very hard film to prepare to prepare for in that there's nothing... like I, I really didn't... And it was very... And that was a frightening thing about it. Like normally before I go into a job, I like to just obsessively look at the script and, you know, sort of work on stuff. And I found that much harder to do with Swiss Army Man because I didn't even know 
really what voice I was going to be doing or what kind of accent or how much he can talk at the various moments or so I found it really hard to even just work on scenes on my own like I normally would do mm-hmm. um so I had to just put a lot of faith in the fact that okay I'm just gonna I'm just gonna turn up and it's all going to be okay when I get there. <laughs> and, I mean, I did, I sent back and forth a few videos to the directors of me doing weird stuff with my face or trying out different voices. And they'd send back, yeah, this good, a little bit more of that or a little bit less of that. And um, But it was very sort of nebulous still until I got there. And, and then as soon as I had sort of the first couple of rehearsals with our directors, the Daniels and, and Paul, I was just like, okay, this now this all suddenly starts to click into place and make sense. And, um, and yeah, and so I, I sort of, use the time I wasn't rehearsing in Swiss Army Man on my own before I went out there I was doing a lot of work on Imperium and a lot of that reading also actually with Imperium Imperium was a film that I had read originally in fact but they both were like a little while ago and initially and at one point thought it was going to happen earlier than it did mm-hmm. so I sort of done a lot of the reading and research um prior to to sort of um Refinding out that it was going to happen. Oh, okay, interesting. So, so um, so you go into Swiss Army Man, uh, winging it essentially, but kind of, yeah, yeah, like not, not entirely. Like I knew, I, I knew what was supposed to be happening in the story, and I knew what my role was, and I knew sort of some of the things I wanted to do physically, and I knew some of the things I'd be bringing to it. Um, but in terms of like the actual, you know talking the actual lines and mm. you know there'd be a line in the script that says like manny looks embarrassed and that'll be before i'm talking or moving and I'm like, how how do i do that <laughs> you've taken away everything um but so it was just about finding a position at the beginning of the scene that sort of communicated embarrassment and um and could be cut to at any point and you're like, <laughs> oh yeah that guy looks embarrassed um but yeah so that it, it was it was a it was a bit of a leap of faith but it was it was one i'm very very glad that i took where did manny's voice come from and when did um, it happen? I suppose it was sort of, it was a kind of a certain amount of my my very limited knowledge of what happens to a body after it dies. Um, you know, in terms of sort of rigor mortis. And so I imagined like his jaw would have, you know, sort of set in and would have been hard of him to talk. And then sort of thinking about like, well, what is what is the voice? Um, you know, it's it's just we make sound by just air passing over our vocal cords. So we had this idea that originally, you know, he would have to sort of pump me to make me make noises, um, like sort of press on my stomach. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then that's how the noises are really started. And then you just sort of fill in the rest of the gaps with imagination. And that's where actually where the Daniels themselves came in and were so unbelievably brilliant and, and just allowed me to relax because they would come in the scene where, um, Hank and Manny are in the cave for the first time and Manny speaks for the first time mm. when we were getting into some of those lines they were you know they would come in sometimes and say like oh you're talking a little bit too well now or you know we need to understand so as soon as I realised that okay they know exactly what they want out of every moment of this film mm-hmm. it frees it freed me up to sort of just go for it knowing that they would pull me back if they needed to or, or ask me for, for more mm. Is it a very cathartic experience playing a corpse? It is quite, I mean, just the whole, f- playing a corpse in this film was very cathartic because it was sort of just playing a character that there aren't really any rules to how he should react yeah. to anything particularly. Um, and that that is really, yeah, I mean, that's really exciting. Uh, and the idea of this sort of blank slate 
who comes into the world and is just sort of and also is just very very cheerful um i think that was actually one of the things that changed after i came on to the project is that in previous drafts apparently um they said that manny was kind of he was kind of cynical naysaying kind of pessimistic sarcastic corpse that mm-hmm. was saying and i think eventually it was a combination of the daniels reading that and going like actually would you want to hang out with that guy like would that guy be your friend <laughs> um and and then i think from meeting me and just going like oh actually wouldn't it be funnier to just sort of capitalize on what dan's already giving us and just make him the most enthusiastic cheerful optimistic corpse in the world um yeah. which i so yeah that was it was it was a lot of fun and also i feel like dan china and dan kwan there's a it's an interesting thing that sort of happened before filming and during filming is that they sort of are analogous to the characters as well the daniels are two directors oh, so really? okay dan china is sort of um you know, built like very much like Paul and like mm-hmm. Hank and Dan Kwan, sort of like an inch taller than me and sort of built very similarly to me. And they, whenever they rehearsed stuff or needed to show us stuff, Dan Kwan would always play Manny and Dan Shiner would always play Hank. And then, um, <laughs> and it even started to be like towards, like from halfway through the movie, I noticed that, and this is a, as a general rule, it's, it's not all the time, but I would say that sort of, 75% of my direction came from Dan Kwan and 75% of Paul's direction came from Dan Shiner. I think we were, we found oh, ourselves to be very similar to yeah, them yeah. as people as well. Yeah. So we sort of, and they sort of had their specific styles of direction were very, very good and sort of individualized for both of us as well. But you're not saying, for example, that Dan Kwan can fart his way across an ocean or has a, a, an erection that acts as a GPS unfortunately or- <laughs> not um, I think Dan would love me to to you know say that he could but um, <laughs> but uh, he can't he's a very talented man but not that it's also Dan in the um, Turn Down For What video at the beginning oh, really? of the Turn Down For What video oh, okay. the main guy doing the dancing is Dan Kwan because he was just like we know this is gonna. We know we're gonna be shooting for like twenty four hours. We know we're not gonna be paying anyone. We can't convince anyone to do this. And he's also like a very, very, very specific but very fantastic dancer. Oh wow, interesting. So um, Manny is. Uh, he's obviously got a, f- a few abilities. Yes. If you could have any one of those abilities, which would it be? I mean, I think. I think I would like to. No, it would be great to be able to like spray water out of my mouth like that. <laughs> like, that's that was, I think, my favorite one of them all to do. Um, to be able to collect water and then function as a water fountain would be pretty great. Although I don't know why I'm not just picking farting jet ski. I mean, that feels like a no-brainer to be able to travel like that. Yeah, um, it'd be great fun. Would be pretty pretty good fun. Yeah, you'd also be like an even better friend. You know, you'd be like the designated <laughs> driver all the time. You just like you don't need to worry about drinking, guys. I'll just take you home up the Thames. Ride me like a jet ski. But we do have to live near water. That's the, the drawback. Uh, Yes, I suppose. Okay. So it's less good once you're on land. So, then it's yeah. just a farting corpse again. No inland <laughs> cities. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. of a shame, but but there you go. Never but the, the water thing's interesting. How did they, how did they do that? Was that the... Um, there was a, 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 a Manny Dummy, wasn't there? There was, was Manny a, Dummy, but the water thing Manny. was was me. Um, so the how? water thing uh, is just um, like a tube that goes up one side that fits onto a little mouth rig uh-huh. and is attached to some like very high pressure canisters of water and and they just um yeah they just they just pump it through and it just like flies out there's a couple of moments when when they turn the pressure up when you're like am i gonna lose my teeth like is this gonna this has got the pressure of a fire hose now coming from inside my mouth 
Um, but no, it was great. And that was that was one of my favorites, I think, to do because it was like a, a practical effect that we did on set. And they yeah. maybe did like a little bit of digital retouching later to take the actual mouthpiece out. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, it was all there. Um, and the the one my favorite one is obviously when like Paul is showering under me and I'm like slung over a tree. Uh, that was like that was maybe our first or second day. And, and oh wow, good to know you. Hello. It, it was that, and it was also that was the moment that I gained the respect of our stunt coordinator Jess, um, who was amazing, and she. That was the moment when they were like, she was trying to say like, "Will you? Would, are you happy to like step out onto the tree?" And I'm just like shimmying out onto it very happily, like you know, getting out into position. And she was like, "Okay, cool. I like this. I like that he's gonna be. He's gonna be good. We're not gonna have to talk him into stuff." Because um, I did like I I got to do a lot of really cool weird stunts and falls down hills and just, lot just lots of falling basically. Yeah, but I I really um I I got very good at it. I'm pleased to say. <laughs> Amazing. How did you stop your eyes from moving? That's that's my big question. Um, I, I mean, I, I would I had the backup of knowing that they could take blinks out digitally, so that was one thing that I was like, okay, I can not think about it too much. But I didn't want them to, you know, it's obviously visual effects is money, so I didn't want to like just blink <laughs> my way through take. So I did. I tried to, you know, minimize it as much as possible. And they they have assured me there's only like two or three blinks they had to take out of the whole movie, which I'm very very pleased about. That's okay. um, that's good. But yeah, it was that that was actually less hard than the you become so conscious of how much your stomach moves when you breathe and how much your chest moves when you breathe. That becomes the thing that's you I'm most like because, but it, but it also, if you, you sort of have to take little breaths all the time rather than holding your breath. Because if you hold your breath, at some point there will be a massive move yeah, in the scene yeah. where you release that. And, um, but yeah, so I think they had the. It was it was good to know that they had like the visual effects capability of taking them out. But I was also just very lucky with my eyes thing that I can my 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 left eye, I can do this um, thing where I drop my top lid of my left eye without moving my bottom lid, um, which I thought everyone can do. Um, yeah. And then I was like, I was showing the Daniels and I was like, what do you think of that? Like, is, does that do anything? And they were like, yes, we're keeping that. That's definitely going to be, you're going to use that. And it was actually that, like seeing my, my weird eye thing and seeing myself in hair and makeup for the first time was a huge just relief because mm. up until then I'd been thinking, you know, when this guy's moving and talking, how do I still communicate the fact that he is dead? you know that he is a dead person that's doing these things um and so when i saw the makeup and the the eye thing i was just like oh okay i don't need to worry about that i look really dead <laughs> I, that, that that work is all being done for me i can just focus on being this this character rather than playing sort of deadness all the time yeah absolutely what, what did you uh, what did you bring to imperium that that directing daniel wasn't expecting um i'm not sure i mean i one thing that i always try and find is a sort of uh, is humor in everything and even though the imperium is by no stretch is a comedy i think there are moments when you know the character the character has a sense of humor and so i think i'd try and bring a bit of like you know my sort of smart ass self to it sometimes um i mean i think with the with imperium it was a much more sort of straight preparation of just like reading and taking all this information and um and you know just fine and then talking to mike german who my character in the movie is based on mm-hmm. his uh, his experiences um and so that was a, in a way was much more simple to prepare for because there was so much more tangible stuff to like grab onto and i know that i'd be doing an american accent and i know that you know how that's going to sound and he's talking like a normal person um and so yeah they were, imperium was um 
what did I bring to it that he wasn't expecting? I'm not sure. I mean, that, that you would have to ask him, mm. but um, but hopefully something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure loads of people have asked you about uh, shaving your head for that role. Yes, that was fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed. I, I loved having a shaved head. Um, it's so incredibly easy. I actually like. That's the problem. Like, I love the whole the whole skinhead look is a really good look. It's just the the political. Uh, you know, resonance that it has means you can't just go about in like Doc Martens and a skinhead without somebody asking some questions about your political beliefs. Um, but it's a shame though, because they've stolen it. They've, they've sort of, you know, we should, we should all, we should try and get that look back from skinheads. Yeah. Um, I think it's gone, sadly. I think it, we might have missed gone. the boat. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, so I, I thoroughly enjoy, and the, the shaving head scene is sort of like, I don't know, it's, it feels like a scene where you're blowing something up in that you just, you've only got one go at it. And like, if you screw it up, then it's just screwed up. Um, but no, it was okay. And I, I, saw, I remember Dan Ragusis saying to me, like, can you make it really violent? And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't really. <laughs> okay, cool. And then, which is sometimes how I take notes when I don't understand it, which is a really bad thing. And I shouldn't admit to it, but um, but I I was just like, okay, yeah, sure. And then uh, and then I started it, and he was saying more violent, and so I got I started you know trying to do it rougher. And then at some point, I just saw him like starting to jump up and down with excitement, and I was like, okay, that's clearly what he wanted. Keep doing that. Um, and uh, yeah, and it was it was it was great, and I I loved. And then somebody from the hair department came in and cleaned it up afterwards and did the actual like the finish they couldn't as the what I did was not an acceptable head shape um, <laughs> you weren't hacking lumps of skin off I, your scalp I and... was practic. I was close I mean I was practically that's what he wanted sort of was just like big chunks of hair coming out and mm. sort of me looking like I was hacking away making it look kind of painful um but yeah, it was. I I really enjoyed it, and some of the crew did it, and our DOP did it in solidarity as well. So there was a few people, a few other people on the set, who, and also uh, a lot of the other actors as well. In fact, Seth Numeric and Pavel, uh, who mm. played two of the other sort of main skinheads, they they both they they both came in with like long flowing. Like I think Seth's on like a seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds period show in America, and oh, wow. and they had to phone up the head department and be like, "You'll be wigging him next series, just so <laughs> you know." Which I'm not sure how they were happy about, but. Had you ever gone that close to the bone before? No, hair-wise. Never. Never. Okay. I, the only time I'd, I'd accidentally almost shaved my head was when I was young, and I was it was before a Harry Potter premiere, and I was like twelve, and I'd been given a, a little razor to do my top lip, like you get when you're twelve, and um and, and so I started doing my sideburns, so I was like, oh, these are a bit long, I'll do them, and I did it just like up one side, and I was like, oh, that's out of that's out of balance now, so I should do the other side. So I did the other side, and that went a bit too too far up, and so I had to equalise out the other side, and this just kept. <laughs> happening till I shaved about three inches up under my under my hair <laughs> fortunately they were able to like I had so I had my sort of my long Beatles haircut at the time still so they could just like push it all forward and cover it up but I did like that was uh that I, I came down to have hair and makeup done for the premiere and they were like oh we have some work to do you've given us a challenge this year <laughs> That would have been amazing. You should have just gone for it. I, yeah, no. I full not, skinhead Harry full Potter skinhead. would have been amazing. Oh my God, can you imagine? That would not have gone down well. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask about how your approach to acting has changed over the years. Mm. Like, but way back in the day, even before Potter, like Taylor of Panama, that, that sort of... Yeah. When, when you approach roles like that in movies, you know, smallish roles, I guess. Yeah. Oh no, I mean, I did. How do you... I did. Yeah, do you, do you wing it then? Do you prepare? Yeah, what, no, I was... As as a kid. I mean, I wasn't winging it in the, like, I would learn my lines, but as a kid, yeah. I never thought more deeply about, like, my character or what does your character want out of this scene or mm. anything like that. The big, a, a huge turning point for me was um, Kill Your Darlings. Um, and that was the first time that I'd been directed in some of the ways that I was, I was directed. And, um, you know, when I was on Potter, I was very much like, I would... 
again, like I'd learn my lines and I'd be prepared, but I didn't, I'd never taken like classes or um, I sort of just had my instincts to go on. Mm. And since then I have been given like a lot more of a sort of a toolkit to go like, okay, this is how I prepare for a role. Um, I always used music a lot, but now like I, for Killy Darling was the first time I was taught how to break down a script and, and, you know, and it was actually the, honestly, it was the first time somebody had, which is, I know this sounds crazy, but it was the first time somebody had said to me, like, what does your character want out of this scene? Um, and, so, and that was a huge, like, revelation of, like, oh, just play that intention. Because you, you make fun of actors for saying, like, oh, what's my motivation and all that. But that actually does belie, like, a, a, a good thing that you should have a yeah, handle on. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't, I've seen, I have seen actors ask for it in ridiculous moments where you're just like, your motivation is to shut the drawer. That's it. Um, but 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 there is something to, you know, just like understanding what your character wants out of the scene. And then and then also uh, looking to like it with every line, what effect are you trying to have on the person that you're in the scene with? Yeah. Um, I find that's been a really good thing for sort of taking me out of self-consciousness and which is sort of the enemy of acting more or less. Is, uh, is to just focus on the other person entirely. So it was very instinctual when you were coming up. Yeah, through, I guess the early, early Potters as well. It was yeah, all very... absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, and, and each director brought something new. I mean, I feel like nobody could have got us ready for those early films in the way that Chris Columbus did. Nobody could have taken such a, a you know, sharp turn quickly like Alfonso did to, to that whole series and really bring it to a new, uh, a place that people didn't expect it to go. Um and then, you know, Mike Newell, again, had had a different style of direction, as did David Yates. But mm. I, I feel like I learned things from all of them, and they were all very good for me in different ways. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, I feel like, the first time that I feel like I had any sort of technique, other than just, like, getting in there and going for it, was probably on, on Killy Darlings. Oh, wow. So then that obviously fed into later um, Potters as well. So I guess really... the f- I guess Deathly Hallows and the, the movies like that were really yeah yeah, yeah I mean the, like, uh, Deathly Hallows the part two is the one I was I was much more pleased with yeah um, I mean part one and two I like both of them a huge amount but it was seven was definitely a big step forward from six for me just because I felt like um, yeah there were, there were some moments when like I was trying to do something and I I look back on it and I well I don't actually look back on it but when I when I think about it you know I think no that was I was I had a very good idea which was that. Harry is this sort of, um, uh, you know, almost, he's almost got like post-traumatic stress or something like he's sort of slightly shutting down, like he's just been through so much, but, which is a really good idea, but, uh, but just, you know, I think in, in how that translated was, um, was not an awful lot of variation and was, became quite unexpressive. And so I've always sort of had a problem with, with that movie, but then that was Mm. the thing that gave me the the kick up the arse I needed to go into seven and go like okay I'm gonna learn from that I'm not gonna do that again um and yeah but I mean that's the thing about my my life and my job and my career is that I feel like every everything I do has prepared me more for the next job and Mm. and 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 hopefully that will continue we talked at the beginning about Imperium and Swiss Army Man being a a sort of impromptu Daniel Radcliffe double bill yeah uh, Definitely not intentional, but it's great that it's happened this way. I can promote them both at the same time. It's wonderful. <laughs> I, imagine, I imagine you don't sit around at home watching double bills for yourself, but if you were to recommend a Daniel Radcliffe double bill to, say, an, an, a friendly alien had arrived on the planet, okay, what would you go for? I would definitely I would definitely have Swiss Army Man in there. I mean, it's hard, it's hard not to pick these two films because I think they're the two films that I'm probably best in. But um, I would say uh, definitely Swiss Army Man. 
And probably just like, but uh, oh, the, you know, it's hard because they wouldn't have seen the previous seven movies. But I probably say, would say Harry Potter, the second Deathly Hallows Part Two, and Swiss Army Man. Okay. In terms of like, if you're going to show one thing to an alien, you've got to show them a bit of Harry Potter because <laughs> you just have to because it was a big cultural thing. They should know about that. Just, you've got to play them the Beatles. You've got to play them a bit of Harry Potter and some yeah. Star Wars because yeah. they'll just find that. Because they want to come to London, they want to see the play. They'll want to. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The there's 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 a whole lot of other stuff. Like if you like this, there's lots of other stuff for you to do now that you're here. Um, and and definitely yeah definitely Swiss Army Man as well but it is hard to pick like that's the thing like I not every film that I've done has you know been as exactly as I thought it would turn out or mm. has been like massively successful or anything but I am generally speaking I'm really proud of everything like even like you know weird things like Horns which a lot of people thought was just a weird movie that didn't quite work like I love that movie still and yeah. and that's that's why that's why I think that I know that. I'm making the right choices is that sort of even a few years down the line no matter what sort of reactions people have had I'm still really proud of of the film and even for its weirdness as well so um yeah no it's 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 a nice it's been a really good like few years fantastic yeah. uh what's next for you um so next I am um I've just I filmed a movie called Jungle earlier in the year uh with uh a few fantastic actors Thomas Kretschmann who's a German guy Alex Russell mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, Joel Jackson um, who's a new young Australian actor who's very good he's fantastic um, and so we did that movie it's about a guy it's based on a true story of a guy who, who got separated from his friends um, in the jungle and, and survived alone or had to try and survive alone for okay, a few oh, weeks cool. um, sort of like a humid version of The Revenant um, <laughs> and uh, that's, that's that my quick pitch the sweaty revenant yeah the sweaty revenant and um and uh, after that i am i don't know i'm doing a bit of writing at the moment just trying to you know do the things that i always talk about doing and use acting as a very good excuse not to actually work on um and uh and then hopefully next year you know more more movies and plays more stuff yeah. more stuff amazing amazing awesome daniel well, thank you very much thank you so much as always thank you indeed and that's that from Daniel Radcliffe, and that's that from me, and that's that from this Empire Podcast special. Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, stay tuned for more specials coming your way. Hopefully our next spoiler special will be Marvel's Doctor Strange at the end of October. And of course, there's the regular Mothership pod every Friday afternoon, so do subscribe to that if you haven't already. I've been Chris Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.